Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. So in the past, gosh, couple of months, we've gone through this series, sermon series, of walking with a father. And just to give you a recap, in the month of November, December, we've talked about our Father God. We talked about who we are in identity in Christ as children of God. So then what I wanted to do was, entering into this year, how can that truth of being his children be lived out as that we can have the life that God has planned for us? That was the intention. Rather than, uh, what's that, New Year's resolution, and we try to be good, we try to make goals, what is God's will? desire for us. And if we want the fullness of what God desires for us, we got to know his will. And sometimes you got to get at the very heart and the basics first. Uh, I'm going to reiterate this over and over. In the Old Testament Hebrew, repent means to turn around, like 180 degrees, make a U-turn from whatever direction. And it's almost always like your behavior or directional change. The New Testament word for repent is metanoia, which means change your mind, change your thinking. For some reason, the church, what we have been teaching, and I, and I myself included, gosh, it's a self-conviction message. The church and the pastors have preached behavior modification so much more than mental change and transformation. God says if you change your thinking, change your mind, you will change your behavior. Do you understand? And so we have to start with what is God's will. And, and I think sometimes, especially the Christian church, we have adopted a poverty mindset in some things. And I, I want us to be free from that. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel. I want you to understand but I am talking freedom to live what God has in store for you. And a couple of scripture I've, I've preached in the last several weeks was a couple of things, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, and that word prosper is shalom. And that's what I'm talking about, peace. Not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. That's God's plan. And then Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly, Right? The life is Zoe, which is the giver of life, the creative life. But he said abundantly, which talks about beyond your expectation, beyond what you thought, beyond you, what you had planned. It's far more. So when Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life abundantly, it's beyond your own expectation, meaning you better change your thinking if you want what he has to offer. Okay? So that's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And then... Last week, I said the curse was removed. If you believe Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when he went on that cross, he paid for your sins. But not only he paid, he paid for the curse and the consequence of sin. The curse of the sin. You guys heard about that? So he fulfilled a prophecy that when he went on that cross, he took all of the curse and the consequence of sin. And I went way back to Genesis account. 
if, if you guys will. The curse of the original sin of Adam and Eve said Jesus paid it. What were the, some of those consequences? That your work is going to be hard. There's going to be uh, uh, thorns and thistles in your workplace, right? And whether we are agriculture and there's thorns or we are in a workplace and there's some thorns you know, sticking in, that's some people who are just jabbing at you, your work is hard, but it was never meant to be. And we talked about women. There is pains in your childbearing and childrearing. It was never meant to be. That was never God's design, right? Pain was never designed by God. It was a consequence of the curse. And I said, Jesus paid that curse, okay? So God's will is here in his perfection. But somehow we're living in the pain here. So there's a tension between what we are living and what God is saying is available for you. Okay? And so how do we differentiate this tension where I want to live what God wants me to live? His will is up here, but we're living here with the pains and the toils and the thorns and the thistles. What is it? So God, how do we get to you? So we're going to kind of handle that tension tonight, hopefully. <laughs> At least that's the goal. Uh, to do so, and you know me, I'm a Genesis guy. I'm a theology guy. Sometimes it comes back to the very basics, going back to the fundamentals of, like, even Genesis. So we're going to do that. So if you remember in Genesis, when God created, he, first three days, and the, uh, the next three days, so the first three days, he put order of things. There's a separation and order. He is reorganized. Out of darkness, he created, boom, let there be light. There was, you know, day, night, right? There's a separation and organization. There's a sky, the land. There is a separation and organization. And then on day four, five, and six, he starts filling these places. He starts filling the sky with the birds and the creatures of the sky. He filled the, the the water with sea creatures and the land with animals, right? Then day six, he takes a pause in creation. So we get to Genesis 126. And the day six, and, and then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Okay, so before God created, he had a plan. And this is like, you know, good methodology. A good builder has a blueprint and then follows a blueprint. So before God created, he said he had a plan. And his plan was this. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over all these things. The plan was for man to have identity and purpose. That verse right there reveals God's plan and purpose. I mean, I, gosh, what did I say? Identity and purpose for man. We talked about the identity in Christ. But <clears throat> let's dissect this. Identity is that God made man and woman in his own image, in his own likeness. The language of creation, we've been talking about the last several weeks, 
there is so much to the truth that God made us in the image of God, in the likeness of God. Uh, by the way, this is something that I could teach on for days, but I'm giving you really short cliff note version, okay? Uh, take uh, Septuagint. Septuagint is a Greek Bible of the Old Testament Hebrew. It's one of the earliest manuscripts we have dated 2nd century B.C., okay? So this is one of the oldest Bible we have copies of, and they translated that verse where image of God as icon in the Greek. Icon. We still use the word icon today. If I were to show you an icon of an apple, you wouldn't think of a fruit. You would think of a tech giant. You would think more of your iPhone or iMac more than a fruit because an icon represents the company of the logo behind it. Okay? When God said, let us make man in our icon, make in my image, he's saying, I want you to be my representative, my image bearer for the, all the creatures of this world to see you. I see God's image. You guys see that? This is why it was so ridiculous in the Old Testament where man created idols. That's, an, that's the same word, icon. Idols were made in stones and wood, and they were bound down to it. And, and God's like, wait a minute. I made you to be icon of me, God, and you're making an icon of a bird? That makes no sense. It's so ridiculous. So anyways, God is saying, I want you, I'm making you my image bearer, my icon on the earth, that when they see you, they see God. And that language also is of his children. So Genesis 5, I, again, I can give you so many examples, but Genesis 5 is another very uh, significant text. If you look at Genesis 5, you know, someone begot, 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 and it's one of those things that you just brush through and read over. That creation, the genealogy starts with God had Adam in his own image, in the image of God, and Adam had Seth in his own image, in the image of the, his father. Meaning the same language that is used is to give identity as sonship and daughtership. You guys get that? So the fact that God says, let us make man in our image is to say, let's make sons and daughters in our image to be icons on the earth, to give them our identity as children of God, as our image bearers. It's huge significance. That's giving identity. What's so good about having an identity as God's children, if there is no authority, right? What's so good about being God's children of the king unless there's an authority behind it, right? If you're a poor king, what's a big deal? But if you're the king of kings, that's a big deal. Okay. <clears throat> so, after God created everything, he hands Adam and Eve the keys to the kingdom. His plan was, let us make man in our image and let them rule. And some translations say, let them have dominion. Dominion is kingdom. Let them have it to rule over. Let them be king and queen over the kingdom of the earth and all the creation. Okay, that was a plan. He created, and then God gives them the keys. You have the kingdom. God gave them the authority. 
keys, if you will, is the authority. When I bought my first house, I remember it was a special day. You know, we signed a lot, like stack of paper in the title company and all that. I didn't read it, which was bad. But I just trusted whatever the lawyers made up, signed it. It wasn't real until they handed me the keys. It wasn't real until I had that key and go to that door and be able to open it and say, this is my house. Okay? He who holds the key has the authority over what he can open. And God gave the keys to Adam and Eve and said, you have my authority. Who has the authority over anything? The maker, inventor, creator, right? You have authority over what you make. God makes the kingdom. God makes the Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. He had the power. He had the authority. And then he hands that authority to his son and daughter. Okay, so you're with me so far, right? They have the authority. Okay, this is where the... The, the plot twist. <clears throat> the devil shows up. Oh, that sucker. We hate him. All right. The devil comes in the form of a serpent, and he deceives Eve. What does he do? He says, did God really say? All right. He makes, he starts off with a deception so that you cannot trust what you really know. You can Gosh, whenever you study for anything, even an exam, and you study it and you know the answer, but somebody says, did you, you, you really, are you sure about that? Somebody says, you don't know. <laughs> like, you know you, what you know, but when somebody says, do you really know? Then you're like, oh, maybe. It, it makes you, like, doubt yourself. And, and the devil did that. He goes, did God really say? But there's a manipulation there that says, can you really trust God? what he had to say. So he twists and manipulates. And we know the story of how that goes. But um, he tempts Eve, and he leads you to believe that that God fellow, you can't trust him. In fact, he, he's not out for your best interest. He makes to doubt his character. And you can't really live your full potential if you follow God. That was the manipulation of the devil. And Eve, I mean, consider the temptation. The devil says, you can be like God. You guys remember that? They're made in God's image. They're already like God. They had God's power. They were given the keys. They were already like God. Yet the devil can make Adam and Eve believe that they don't have it. That's crazy. They had the identity. They had the authority. They had everything to be like God in the fullness. And yet he can take that and goes, you can be like God. But I already am. You can be like God. That's like selling ice to an Eskimo, man. Come on. So... Eve, who is a landlord with the keys to the kingdom, believes the lie. And what does she do? When she believed the lie of the devil, she became his subject. I, I want this is, we have to get this. 
Did you know that the one that you believe and one that you follow, you become subject to the one you follow, right? There can be CEOs of companies who have the highest position and title. There can be president of, let's say, United States. But who's really in power is the one who can manipulate that person to do what they want. The one who pulls on the string is the one in power. I don't care about the title or the office. The one who pulls on the string of those individuals are the ones who are in power. Do you guys understand? <clears throat> Adam and Eve had the authority. They were in power. But when the devil who's below them lies and manipulates them and they believe in him, they are subjects. They're beneath the devil. You know, in the, we don't have slavery. Uh, oh, by the way, there's, I need to get more details. On our website at the Hobbs campus, there's going to be a movie, documentary about human trafficking. And there's something, an event that you if, you, if this is something that moves at your heart, this is a document that you can come and watch. I believe it's on a Saturday this coming, this coming Saturday, okay, at the Hobbs location. So there's no, Slavery as we might remember slavery a couple of hundred years ago. <clears throat> but in the ancient time, when there were slavery, slaves, whatever they own, belonged to the slave owner. Do you guys understand? Slaves did not have right. They could not have possession. Even if they had possession, it was really because they're owned by the owner Everything they own and the family belong to the owner. Adam and Eve had the authority, but when they became subjects of the devil, their authority were transferred to the devil. Do you guys understand that? So they transferred their authority to the devil. And this is why uh, Jesus said Satan was known as the ruler of this world in John 12, 31. A lot of people think, well, let me rewind. Do you guys remember when Jesus uh, got tempted by the devil? Um, I'm going all over the place. But this, uh, this is my teaching method. <laughs> uh, if you remember, Jesus, uh, before he begins his ministry, he gets baptized in the Jordan River. And right after the baptism, the Holy Spirit descends upon him. He is led into the wilderness. And there... While he's fasting and praying, or fasting, uh, the devil tempts him. And there are some temptations that he handled. Now, at one point, the devil, let me read Luke 4, 5. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. Now, consider, and I had this conversation with many people when I do Bible study like this. Did the devil have, actually have the authority over the kingdom to even offer it to Jesus? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Some of you guys are shaking no, but you don't want to say it. <laughs> right? Because we think, 
No, he really didn't have the God's authority. Listen, the devil got the authority from Adam and Eve. Jesus said he's a ruler of this world. Jesus said that. So think about it. If you don't have any money and you're like saying, hey, I'll give you $100 if you do this for me, and, and you know that they don't have the $100, you're like, come on. That's not a temptation. You're just pulling my chains, right? But if they really had $100 and it's like, hey, if you just lick this ugly thing, then I'll give you 100 bucks, then you might actually believe it because you know there's 100 bucks in, in the pocket. Jesus knew he had the authority. In fact, the devil read, says, this is what the devil says in verse 6. He said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to whoever I want. The devil says that. And he wasn't exactly lying. Who gave it to him? Adam and Eve. I believe in this encounter, the devil took Jesus supernaturally and showed all the kingdoms of the earth. The kingdoms, the cities, the kings of the cities. Jesus saw them. He goes, I will give you all this authority if you bow down to me. Here's the other pitch, though. If you bow down to the devil, the authority is still in the devil. <laughs> that, that's the foolishness of the pitch. And Jesus has an eternal perspective to recognize. I'd still be a slave in whatever I own. Right? So do you really own anything if the devil is over you? No. That's the foolishness of any temptation. You are not your own if you follow the devil in anything. The devil says, I have the keys, and I can give it to whoever I want. And he meant it. But the fast forward a couple of years after that. Okay, Jesus does his ministry. He's raising up his disciples, and they're having a conversation. They're walking along, and Jesus has just a, you know, relaxing conversations. Hey, who do people say I am? And people are like, oh, you're some saying you are the prophet, you're the Elijah, you're, you're Jeremiah, you know, you're a great man. And then Jesus turned the question, goes, but who do you say that I am? You guys remember this conversation? Okay, who, but who do you say that I am? Now, Peter, speaking on behalf of the disciples, not just himself, but he said, you, he said, you are the Christ, the Messiah that we have been waiting for. Oh, I am all over the place. Bear with me. I lost my place. Oh, okay. So he has this conversation. Peter says, you are the, uh, the Messiah, the Christ that we have been waiting for. And Jesus responds is, you're right. And you couldn't have known that on your own, but my father had revealed this to you. 
okay? And he said this, and he makes a big promise. In Matthew 16, 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is a heavy loaded text, but let me just just scratch a few surfaces here for you. Jesus makes a promise. One, I'm going to build my church upon this truth, right? And not even the gates of hell is going to overcome it. But then he says in the second part, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The keys represent authority. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So that's the NIV version. I like some of the other translations in this text, like something if you do Bible study with um, American Standard Version or NASB Version, they tend to be a little bit more literal. But here's how they translate. And Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. You guys hear that? Okay. What you do on earth shall have been been in sync, whether same time or already in heaven. Meaning what you do on earth is already done in heaven. Uh, Nasby, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Same thing. It's the context is the same time or before what you do. Meaning what you do has the authority and the power from heaven. Heaven is the model. Heaven is the authority. And when we sink in line, there is power to loose and power to bind. There is authority. He says, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What you do has significance and consequence in heaven. what happens in heaven. There's no temptation. There's no sickness. There's no evil spirits. No sin. Heaven is the model of the authority that we have. So just to make sure that we're on the right same page here, God gave Adam and Eve upon creation this dominion, this authority. But they gave up their keys, their authority to the devil. But then, in fact, Satan even offered that authority to Jesus, if you bow down before me. But then, Jesus promised to give you the keys, to give these keys. Okay, let me, what we said was, what is, what's so good about identity without the authority? If you believe Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then he gives you the authority through his identity. He gives you his authority through his identity. And we're going way back, again, to Genesis' account. What is Genesis' account? What is God's plan? To rule that original authority. 
but, but here is what the exclamation mark. Jesus goes to the cross, pays the consequence and the curse of our sin. He's dead. He is buried. Then he comes back to life on the third day. And this is the gospel. This is hallelujah, right? He comes back. He reveals himself to, uh, in the next 50 days, I mean, 40 or 50 days, he is shown to 500 of his followers and believers. He eats with them, talks with them, you know, chats up. And then before he ascends back to heaven, he gives this last words. You guys remember the Great Commission? Okay. I love this. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the ages. Consider that. Jesus goes to the cross, dies, buried, three days he comes back, and he says these words. What do you think happened during that death and resurrection? He, before it was, I will give you, the future tense, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Then, in the Great Commission, he gets, all authority in heaven on our earth has been given to me. Therefore, and now he's extending that authority. So, Martin Luther, who is... Um, Credit for the Protestant Reformation, right? So from the Catholic Church to the Protestant Church today. And he said this, We believe simply that the entire person, God and human being, this is talking about Jesus Christ, descended to hell after his burial, conquered the devil, destroyed the power of hell, and took from the devil all his power. Get that quote of Martin Luther and just leave it up. That's what Martin Luther said. This is what we believe. This is what I believe. I believe that when Jesus died on that cross, he was buried, and where the dead goes, okay, you can call it Hades, or you can speculate. We don't know, but he went to where the devil was, and the devil could not hold him. Death could not hold him. And, de- and Jesus is like, I got the power. He comes back up. And then he, when he commissions the disciples, he goes, I got the power. All authority in heaven and on earth. The heaven is, Father gave me the authority. On earth, the devil gave it back. I took it back. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All authority, the keys of the heaven and on earth. Whatever you bind on earth will be loose, bound and on, right? There's a parallel between what happens on the earth to heaven and Jesus is saying I am that synchronization I am that power and I'm giving you that power to his followers to his disciples all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples so that future tense I will give you the keys of the heaven kingdom of heaven it gets fulfilled The Holy Spirit comes and the apostolic church happens. What is that? God himself, in his full power, enters you and me upon the Pentecost of the Holy Spirit and empowers. 
He gave us the identity through the cross to those who believe, but that power comes through his Holy Spirit. And fulfillment, because Jesus paid that price. Is that a good news for you guys? I know this is a heavy, big theological, and I'm walking you through all of that, but come on. Thank you. I've been walking with you for the past several weeks to talk about the curse has been removed. Okay? Where we're living with the pains and toils of the, uh, of the thorns and thistles and what God says, I have the plan for you, plans to prosper, you plans to give you hope in the future. Uh, I have come to give you life, life abundantly. And here we are living in the tension of, the, uh, of our pains. But Jesus gave us the authority, gave us the power. He goes, I paid it on that cross. So how do we handle that tension? Faith. Faith and believing and changing our thinking. Because some of you guys believe that you're supposed to be powered because of the situation that you were born into. Some of you guys believe, that's not me, you know, I'm not good enough, or, you know, other people are a little bit more smarter or more spiritual or they're better than me. And we hide behind our insecurities and our way of thinking that is less than what God's way of thinking. God says, you are my son, you are my daughter, you have, you don't even know the gifts that I've given you. And yet you are living in I love that book by Chris Valentine. He says, you have pauper mindset. And I, as I read that book, Supernatural Ways of, of Royalty. Highly recommend that book for everyone, by the way. And I confess that as I read that book, how much pauper mindset I have. So I'm not saying hey, you guys are have pauper mindset as if I don't. I'm saying I got it more than you, <laughs> probably. And there is some freeing uh, freedom that I am seeking. Again, our church is about the lost found and the found free. And there's still room for me to be free, okay? And it starts with our thinking. The Bible says far greater things about me and my life that God has for me than what I am living out. And I'm saying I want more of what God wants me to have. I'm not saying, hey, let's attain wealth and power and all, as this ambition. It's not. I'm, I'm just saying I just want what God wants me to have. That's, that's all. If I'm living anything less than what God wants me to have, then I'm shortchanging God and shortchanging myself. And I'm not living to the full potential of what God wants me to live. And so there's got to be some repentance, change our thinking to attain what God, our Father, wants us to have. And I don't know any fathers who actually desires poverty for any of his children. Even those in poverty don't want poverty for their children. And those who are wealthy never want poverty for their children. So whoever wants poverty for their children? And how can we as children ever think that God wants us to have poverty? Unless you have poverty mindset. We have authority, and I think we don't know the full fullness of this authority. Uh, I think a few weeks ago, or maybe a couple months back, I talked about a story where I was in a mission trip in Thailand. And 
the pastor, we were there for a few weeks at a time, and the pastor said, hey, lead us into a revival, and we didn't know what to do. But when we prayed, God said, hey, don't worry, I will show up. And so as a team, and I, this was before God called me into ministry. I was just like young man in corporate, you know, work and <clears throat> just trying to be faithful here. And I didn't know how to do a revival. And God says, don't worry, I will show up. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> So we had our team. We had, you know, kind of uh, you know, somebody was going to, we were going to lead them a few songs. We'll share a testimony, and hopefully God shows up. <laughs> we sang an American song to these Thai girls who barely spoke English. And as we sang praise, the Spirit of God came. The demonic spirits inside a few girls. There were a total of five, two in the front, two in the back, and one somewhere else. At the same time, they fell to the floor screaming. When the presence of God came, the unclean spirits could not handle the holy God in the room. And they screeched, and it manifested. And I can tell you that I spent playing with these girls, uh, teaching the English and tutoring and had fun, you couldn't tell there were anything other than normal teenage girls. But the manifestation of the unclean spirit. We cast out the devil, cast out the demonic spirit out of those kids that weekend. Five in total. We saw miracles happen that weekend. And we did it in the name of Jesus. They bowed down to the power of and of the name of Jesus. It's not that we were any greater, we were any more spiritual, we weren't any to f- train. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I, let me add this. We knew nothing, and that's what qualified us. <laughs> we were so unqualified, we had to depend on the Holy Spirit and what God was doing. All we knew was, in the name of Jesus, get out. And when we... That, when that didn't work, we said it again, <laughs> and again, and again, until the devil came out. Sometimes we get so smart in theology and, like, what uh, the demon doesn't work anymore and all this. That's when we outsmart ourselves. But it's when we couldn't even react to say, there's a demon in that unclean spirit in that girl. How do you get it out? We had no time to think. All we knew was, in the name of Jesus, we had the scripture, we had praise song, we just kept worshiping God until the demon left. To the amateurs, we had more power than we knew in the name of Jesus. You know, spiritual warfare can be said this way, there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. When you flip on the switch, Light shines, and the darkness flees. Simple. And it's that quick. Turn on the light, darkness flees. Even as a small light of a candle, darkness flees. And I can tell you, none of us are that small candle. We are beaming light of Jesus Christ. And we have the authority. There's a great deception in the world about the power of God and the power of the devil. The, the world wants you to believe in the power of the devil and that you should fear it. In fact, look at the movies that they are making. 
Okay, have you guys ever seen horror flicks or some scary movies? Uh, or even action flicks that kind of merges whatever the genre it is, right? <clears throat> Here's a scene that you've seen somewhere. Some evil creature, the devil or some charming guy in evilness. And then there is a priest. He, he's shivering, holding his cross, hoping like a charm, holding back. And he's like, what a wimp, right? It's like a priest who is so afraid to die and he's shivering. And what does he do? What does the devil do? Boom. And he flies across the room and he dies. The media tries to portray the power of the devil and the weakness of the believer. And we eat it up because some people, you, you watch a scary movie and you're scared and you think, that could happen. Yeah, you're full. But it's scary if you think it could happen. I watched, uh, when I was a kid, watched, uh, was it Exorcist? Oh, my gosh. That's bad. I was like eight years old. Yeah. Fresh immigrant, didn't even speak English. Watched it on TV, and I couldn't sleep for a week. But why was that scary? Because I was afraid to be possessed by such a demonic spirit, right? It could happen. And it puts a fear in you. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. If you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you have the Holy Spirit, that demonic spirit can't have any possession over you. Not only that, if the demonic spirit wants to possess, get out in Jesus' name and and it obeys. Have you guys ever had this dream where you're half awake, half asleep, and you feel paralyzed and you get afraid? That used to happen to me so often at one point, and I knew it was evil spirits. I used to hear evil spirits. I used to hear the whispers. I'm like, what the heck? It, beginning, I was scared. Like, what is going on? Because I was a young believer, and the devil tried to get me back. But then I learned, you can say in Jesus' name, get out. And it did. It happened again, and I remember, Jesus, get out. In Jesus' name, get out. Over time, and this is the truth. It happened, I'm like, oh, you again. In Jesus' name, get behind me, Satan. And I was so relaxed while I said that. It's probably kind of cool. You again. Because I knew I had the authority. I exercised the authority, and I knew I could kick him out and again and again and again and again. It doesn't happen to me anymore. Because I know how to beat it. Because I know the authority. I'm just saying... Depending on where you are, he can try to deceive you to make you believe that you don't have the authority. But I'm saying you have far more authority than you think. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the Lord. And he says, I got the keys. I'm giving you the keys. The curse has been removed. Okay? We're going back to the original plan of God. He says, I know I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you. To give you hope in the future. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that, church? You got to believe it. You got to change your thinking. You got to believe that you have the authority in order to live the authority. We all rise. I've gone over time. So word is good, but it's better to live it out. I'm going to welcome the prayer team. Listen. 
Some of you guys need prayer. Some of you guys have been living in a lie. If you haven't confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all that I'm talking to you is just nonsense. Okay? You can't live the experience of the victory that I'm talking about until you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believe in faith and His Holy Spirit comes into you. And when He is in you, then you have the power. It is not about religious, organizational, like I come to church and I'm made more holy. It doesn't work that way. Okay? The church doesn't need a building. The church is you as a body of Christ, as sons and daughters. You are made in the image of God, but you got to know that you are made in the image of God. you got to know that you are son and daughter of God. you got to know this truth before you receive the truth, you receive the authority. And so if you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I need you to come and let this prayer team lead you so that you receive the fullness. And if there's some deception that you have believed or some, hey, Eric, you know, all that you've said, it sounds really good, but, and whatever excuse that you might say behind why you are not living it. I'm saying, if that's you, get free. Come, receive prayer. This team is anointed. They have been trained. They love you. They may not know you, but they will love you. They love Jesus and carry that supernatural love to be able to pray with you and lead you you understand if you have kids please pick up your kids but I'm going to pray over all of us over you and this is just as a gesture we lift up your hands openly like this Father thank you thank you for your peace right here right now you are here. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I lift up to you my brothers and sisters here because they are made in your image and you love them. You said you love them. For God so loved the world, gave his only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You showed your love for them through your death. That you came as a living testimony, as a sermon to show the love of the Father. May they know your love. May they know your love. If any person in here comes and doesn't know your fullness of your love, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself right now. Reveal your love. in your spirit, come in your power. Make yourself real and known. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for the authority that you give. Thank you for the love that you desire to release onto sons from the very beginning of time. That you've given us identity and purpose from the very beginning. And even though in the midst of all of that, the uh, sin happened, and we, were, we as the world has been distracted. You made the way for us to return back to the relationship with you, with our almighty King, to live the life that you have set forth. So the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you 
and give peace to you. Go forth in victory, in his authority. Be victorious because that's who you are. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.